Hey everyone, this is Philip. For this episode, we sat down with Joel Phillips, who designed the original art for the Red Rising series. Joel is also Pierce Brown's business partner and runs Shit Escalates, the best place to buy Red Rising merch. This is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done, and I hope you enjoy it too. I also want to give a quick shout out to some new patrons that have entered our Discord community, The Strawberry Rising. Shout out to Failplay, DreamX Theater 21, Rainbow Unicorn, Dojo Dragon, Vertigo, Whiskey, The Tree, and Chazel. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hell Reaper. My name is Philip, and this is my good friend Jeremy. What's going on, man? Usually, Jeremy and I get to connect at the studio. I got sick kids today, so I'm at my house. So, also, FYI, I'm totally expecting my four year old to run into this room any minute. <laughs> so, maybe you'll get to hear my four year old's voice today. But in addition to me being at home, we have a new friend on with us today, a very talented artist who designed some of the most iconic images from the Red Rising universe, such as the Society Sigils, the Red Rising maps, and more. Joel Daniel Phillips. How's it going, Joel? Hey guys, thanks for having me. It's going good today. I'm uh, not running around like a chicken with my head cut off for once in my life, so I feel fabulous. Well, you you told us you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off because of the hazard bedlam, right? Oh my God. And it was hazardous and there was bedlam and it was delightful. <laughs> oh my, I, I had so much fun this last week. I want to, I mean, okay, I know we won our category. I'm, so I'm not going to tout that um, like more than I just did. Um, but what was your, can, can you give us some of your favorites or are you allowed to say that yet? You have to wait. Uh, you know, I mean, we posted our five favorites and then the two uh, special mentions. And those were, you know, those were honest. Those were my favorites. So um, awesome. if you guys haven't heard about the competition, head over to Shit Escalates. Our Instagram, it's shit underscore escalates. You're going to hear me saying that word a lot. I hope you don't mind the word shit. <laughs> and uh, yeah, head over and check it out. It was a really wild week where we basically asked folks to slap stickers on things all over the world. And it was really fun. Uh, there's a coffee shop in uh, California, San Luis Obispo, that does kind of the same thing that you did with the Hazard Bedlam. And I always find it amazing when people like climb Mount Fuji or skydive and they just bring a coffee cup or a sticker or something like that always amazes me. I'm like, do, do these people like plan their entire trip around this sticker or are they like, I'm going anyway, I might as well grab the sticker. I'm always curious. You know, I, so after watching this week of chaos, I'm pretty sure some folks did plan entire trips around it. I think for the most part though, it was sort of a fun excuse to add a little flair to something that was sort of already part of people's world. So yeah, I've always wondered the same thing when I see this, like, you know, how did that, that coffee cup end up on the top of the mountain? And, you know, <laughs> I, I think it sort of allows people to connect two things that they love a lot and bring them together. And so often it's like, I love mountain climbing and I also love, you know, in this case, red rising. So I'm going to bring a sticker up to the top of my favorite mountain and we'll slap it on a rock and see if I'm the highest person. I was really bummed. Nobody climbed Mount Everest and I was hoping that that would happen. So I tried to give enough of a window for training. Nobody took me up on it. It, it would have looked great on their oxygen mask climbing. Everest. <laughs> would, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. That would have been killer. That would have been super killer. Yeah. <laughs> so something similar to happened. I saw this video a couple weeks ago. Jeff Bezos apparently went to space, uh, yep. which is weird. And he did 
he did his own version of Hazard Bedlam where he brought a cowboy hat inside of the spaceship and then wore it when he came out. And I was like, who does that? (laughs) Like, that was really funny. Somebody with too much money and not enough sense. I know that was, but (laughs) I had so much fun looking through the hashtag on Instagram. It was so much fun. I just like, I think I like rocket hashtag or no, 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 not penis rocket hashtag. Um, it was more about, uh, just the the competition that was happening with, uh, with you guys shit escalates. I just like, yeah, yeah, no, no, not going that route anymore. Uh, going back to you guys. No, uh, it was so much fun. I just like, I think I liked more things on Instagram than I ever had before. I think I'm in the same boat, actually. I, I was funny. It made me realize that I tend to, as an artist, see Instagram as a space where I have to produce things rather than mm-hmm. where I get to enjoy and interact and sort of truly have a social experience. And it made me realize that, like, I need to chill the fuck out about making things sometimes and just mm-hmm. be in the space and be part of a community because it was really a fun experience. Shout out to everyone who put a sticker on a toilet because that sounds and looks uh, dangerous. So good and for you because I saw a lot, lot of those. Them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk more about, uh, you know, shit escalates, talk more about you, Joel. I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about yourself. And, and this is like, I actually am genuinely interested in you and your story and how it came about and how you started working with Pierce, uh, how that relationship came about as well. And then now it's evolved into this business and it's fruitful and we're seeing it thrive on the internet. So kind of take us back to the beginning. And I know you and Pierce are homies and you've created for the world and you're still creating. So how did that start? Yeah. Um, so I met Pierce, God, I probably was 19, 18 or 19 at the time. And I met Pierce cause he was my older brother's roommate in college. And so I actually hated him when I first met him. <laughs> I, I like, totally hated him. Shout out he Pierce. showed up, he showed up at my house and he was just like all swagger. And my older brother's like, yeah, this is my good buddy from college. I'm like, who's this dick? He's just like, <laughs> so he was so cocky. And, uh, and I, you know, it's funny. He, he always gets sort of like sad puppy eyes when I tell this story. And he's like, you hated me? But I, I really didn't like him for the first like 25 minutes. And then we started talking about art and he was writing at the time, even then, this was before he did Red Rising, but he was writing and I was like, oh my God, this guy's super confident. And I feel like he's like pretending to be a jock, but on the inside, he's like such a nerd. Mm-hmm. And it just connected deeply. We connected over creativity and writing and like nerdy fantasy books and like Within the first eight hours, we were drinking scotch together. I wasn't underage, technically, if anyone's listening. Um, <laughs> and uh, and we were we were talking about world building and his books he'd written and my art, and it became a, a sort of immediate, you know, a very powerful friendship. So I, I hated him for about a half an hour, but then I couldn't any longer. Yeah. So this is something that we actually noticed about Pierce too, because he does have like. You described it as a jock. Right? He has this certain persona that he that he kind of puts off, and boy, we just went full on nerd when we had him on. I mean, we didn't hold back at all, and he didn't skip a beat. I mean, he really, truly inside is one hundred percent nerd, and that's that was really fun for us. It's so funny. I you know I like every once in a while I'm like you don't have to pretend you're allowed to be a nerd. Nerds are cool now. <laughs> but it's funny. I moved to Oklahoma recently, and I feel like. I sort of understand part of Pierce better, which is growing up in Texas um, is where he grew up. And, you know, there's, it's still a, a, an interesting culture out here of, you know, football and it's a little bit more single faceted. And I think 
you know, his childhood where, you know, he played football and it's all about that, that, you know, was a big shaping force for him. I don't think he realized he could be a nerd until later in life. But anyway, I'm talking too much about, about Pierce here. <laughs> That's so cool that you got to be like so collaborative. I know a lot of times you're in the position that you were in, like you're the artist, and you're the creator, and then you have the artist. But it sounds like you guys got to like, there's a lot of crossover, there's a lot of ideas kind of going back and forth, the synergy that's really making the best product. And I think for the three of us, you know, Mathar, Jeremy, myself, we believe in that that synergy. Uh, you know, we create the best products when we all put our heads together. It's so cool to hear that. I actually stumbled upon a video last night when I was just, I actually Googled your name. I'm sorry, that's, that's weird. Uh, I Googled your name last night <laughs> and, and I found a Kickstarter that you guys did back like four or five years ago about kicking out those maps, those Institute maps. And that's the yeah. beginning, I'm assuming. Was that the beginning of Shadesquates in a way, even though it wasn't called that? It was, absolutely. You know, that was a funny, that was a sort of a funny one-off thing, or at least we thought it was at the time. But that, that Kickstarter came about because Pierce, God, that must have been after, I think that was sort of between trilogies when mm -hmm. that happened. And we just finished his first trilogy and it had become massively popular and Pierce was sitting there, you know, saying, he, I remember he turned to me and he's like, Hey, we never really paid you very well, did we? And I sort of had to laugh and be like, well, you know, I mean, I had a blast and it was worth it, but no, Random House did not pay me very well. And he was like, we should do something. We should do like a Kickstarter or we should do something and we should get you paid for all of this work that you put in designing the maps and designing the sigils and so on. And so we were like, oh yeah, that'd be fun. And we, it was supposed to be this small little thing. We were supposed, we, initially we were like, we'll do a handful of prints of each map. We'll do some screen prints of the maps and we'll get them signed by both Pierce and me and then we'll do a Kickstarter. And I think our goal when we launched the Kickstarter was, uh, was five grand. And it was just supposed to be this sort of basically like a, a print release, but via Kickstarter. And then as we started working on it, we're like, well, let's just throw on some t-shirts and we can just, we can just put a few other things on there. And then within the first hour, I think it had hit 15 grand. Jeez, man. Jeez. And, wow. and we were like, oh my God. And so I immediately started kicking into production mode and was doing like stretch goals and stuff. And we ended up, I think we ended up at like $54,000 on that Kickstarter. So it was obviously massively more successful than we anticipated. And then that was a moment where we were like, you know, it, it sort of became real how supportive the fan base was and how excited they were for stuff that not only was licensed from us, but also was created well and manufactured well. And so that happened and we were like, all right, well, there's something here. We should do something. And then because we both have way too much on our plates, we waited four more years until the beginning of the pandemic to actually do anything about it. But yeah, that was very much the beginning of it all. Like the, if I watched the video that you guys did where you shot it and you're like talking about bringing these to life, like out of the book and onto my wall or onto someone else's wall. And it really was like a barometer, like you're saying, for the thirst that the Red Rising fans have. And we're, we're nuts, we're fanatics, like all of us are. I mean, this whole business that you are running, Joel, along with Pierce. And is there anyone else in the operation we're not mentioning? You know, I, I feel like this is actually the moment where I should clarify a misunderstanding. I think a lot of folks who see shit escalates, um, as, I think a lot of folks assume it's this giant operation that has, you know, people working full time and they imagine there's like an office somewhere and there's a warehouse and it is actually just me as a part-time gig. And then we have three incredible folks who also do 
uh, work part-time. We've got an elementary art teacher, we have a grad student, and we have somebody else who also has another full-time job doing merchandising who help me out because I don't have 17 arms. Um, <laughs> so it's a very small operation and uh, it's par for the course for the name, I guess, is, has escalated far more quickly than I ever anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's, it's pretty much just me and then my intrepid squad of badass artist folk who uh, are helping bring these things to life. And so we've got myself and then there's Emily, who is a grad student and an artist, we have Molly, who runs our advertising, which hasn't even really started yet, but we're hoping to sort of step into some more legitimate online advertising spaces soon. And then we have Katie, who uh, is our shipping master and is the most organized human on planet Earth. Thank God. Shout out. Shout out to those guys. Hard workers. That's awesome. Thank you for giving us all that rad stuff. Joel, I want to talk more about Shit Escalates with you. But to do that, we have to bring in our merch queen, our strawberry sovereign, Janelle. Janelle, what's up? Hey, everybody. How's it going, dude? Good. How's everyone? We're chilling. This is good times. We're hanging out with Joel, as you know. I know you've been on with us for a little bit. Uh, I want to kick it over to you. I know that you're a huge super fan of Shit Escalates. You buy a lot of the merch that comes from there. And like you actually also, um, this is also really fun, Joel. She sends her extras to us sometimes, so which is really fun Thank for you. us. So uh, I'm a benevolent sovereign as well. <laughs> I can never get on on time for certain drops. I feel like I'm always have the worst timing when like a drop is happening. It's like, Oh crap! I missed it. <laughs> we always feel like so terrible. Uh, but uh, yeah, go ahead, Janelle. Take over. Let's talk to Joel. Talk about how amazing you are and how amazing uh, Shin Escalates is with him. So last time I was on the podcast, we talked about Severo Summer and all the amazing goodies that I spent all my legal internship job <laughs> spending on. I ended up getting a few tank tops. One I'm sending to Mathar, and I got those super amazing Howler shorts. Like, what? Do you want to hear a, cool. a crazy story about those Howler shorts? I would love to hear an amazing story about uh, those Howler shorts. So I literally made those. The drop was live when I made them. I'm not, I'm not even kidding you. So uh, the, we have this amazing manufacturer that allows me to basically create items digitally and drop them through their system and then put it up on our shop and then somebody can buy it before I ever see it. All I have to basically like drag and drop for manufacturing. So I just have to like take a photograph and drop it on a t-shirt and it uploads it and then it makes a digital mock-up and then I can load that to the Shopify. And so I finished, normally I've got like an hour before the drop where I turn the website off. I basically put a firewall up so that nobody can see what I'm doing as I shift things around and do secret sneaky backend stuff. And uh, I had about 10 minutes left of my pre-drop hour. And I was like, we need shorts. <laughs> yes. And, I, <laughs> and so I was like, do we have them? Does our manufacturer have shorts? I'm going on there. I'm like, we've got shorts. And they're like, oh my God, we can do an all over print on these shorts. Like we can print anything we want in a full wraparound pattern. And so I was like, we need wolf pattern shorts like we have to do this so I, then I went on illustrator and I was like that pattern no that doesn't work that pattern and like watching the clock tick down and it's like two minutes till the drop I'm like, that pattern no and then I uploaded one and I was like put it up on the shop and I'm like yes I did it just in time and then I realized the pattern sucked and then the drop was <laughs> happening and I had to delete the item before anyone bought it because it's live on the store and be like 
shit, okay, I've got to get better patterns. So I went and I like made a second pattern, I put it on, and I was like, all right, I think that's the pattern. We're going with it. We have no more time. Uploaded it to the shop, and that was that. And the shorts were live. So I, uh, yeah. Here's an embarrassing story. Obviously, I was like stalking the shit escalates drop and then I bought my stuff I'm like okay this is cool and then the shorts appeared so I had to buy that separately and so, pay the shipping but they were I'm just so sorry. rad and I they're the to. coolest thing on the store they're so <laughs> rad <Yes. laughs> thank you but now you know the why Janelle I know now I'm like woo, mind blown <laughs> so I have this rule that I try to hold myself to with drops that ends up being more of a guideline than actual rule to quote a pirate captain it's that you, I'm not supposed to let myself make anything last minute because I always have ideas in like the 11th hour and I'll be like calling Emily and calling Katie and be like, oh my God, we have to do this. We have to do this crazy thing. Like the, the hazard bedlam idea came about literally within like two hours of the drop. I've been thinking like we need to do, to do something with these stickers. We've got these stickers. Like people love these stickers. I keep getting emails about how we've got these gold foil stickers on every package and, you know, people are cutting them out or trying to peel them off and save them because they're, they're pretty damn cool stickers. And I've been like, I should sell some stickers or allow people to get them somehow. And then literally five minutes before, well, it felt like five minutes. It's like, I think like the day before the drop, I was like, I'm going to sell these as a game. And I sort of had a vague idea of what the game was going to be in my head. But to be totally honest, I didn't know anything really about what the game was going to be before we actually launched the drop. Like I was like, we'll put them on things and people get points for putting them on things. And that's as far as I've gotten. Then we did that drop and I had like 2000 stickers that were like in our, our little storage space for putting them on packages. And I was like, that'll be plenty. And then we sold those 2000 stickers without even having game rules. So it was, it was literally like, we're going to play a game, wink, wink. Like I, I don't remember what I wrote. And, and then all of those stickers sold in like five minutes. And I was like, fuck that. It <laughs> probably means I should come up with a game <laughs> now. I should probably come up with a game. So anyway, I try not to let myself do that, but I do it li literally every single drop, like a day or two before the drop or even like the shorts an hour before the drop. I'll be like, I should just make my life living hell and add something else on here right now because that's a great idea. And I, <laughs> it ends up being the best things, to be honest. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Because I know that we had a bunch of fun with the drop and those shorts again. I can't wait to go on campus rocking those shorts. Are they comfortable? <laughs> so I have, I, I have a pair of they the men's are. that I love, but I haven't, I haven't felt the fabric on the women's ones in my hands oh, personally. Oh, they super but. are. Good. Yeah, I really like the material. You're on allowed them. to tell me if you hate them. I promise you I will. Okay, good. I'm also uh, very honest, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they're good. <laughs> Glad to hear um, that. What was your favorite from that job? Were they the shorts? You know, it's so funny. So I, my, I never know what people are going to like the most. In fact, I, sometimes I'm like, you shouldn't be running a merchandising business because the things that you think are cool, nobody likes. And the things that you think nobody will like, people buy. So my barometer is like <laughs> on average good, but the specific like drop barometer for what I think people will really respond to is always wildly off. So I was like so sure that the t-shirt that I made with the, the Mangy Angel t-shirt, which I'm actually wearing right now, nice. one of the versions I never oh. sold, this was like another option. 
and it's got like a devil, red devil with a creepy smirk on his face. I, I was I was so sure that the Severo image would be the the hot ticket, and then um, I put PB Doodles Omnisphere Lupus design up there too, and then that outsold my image by like ten to one. So <laughs> you know, PB coming PB. through, you know, she killed it every damn time. Absolutely. Oh. Dang, I should put this away then, huh? <laughs> no! <laughs> no! Oops. Oh my god. So, I so, am wearing a shit Escalade's design, though. Yeah, private. <laughs> um, so actually, that that is a good opportunity to plug. I'm working on a top secret, much more extensive project with PB. Right now, it involves, I think, 15 brand new illustrations. Whoa. Um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. So... That should be sometime next spring. We're not quite sure exactly when that's going to drop yet, but we're actually going to do a Kickstarter. It's going to be a whole, it's going to be the biggest thing we've done yet. It's the most ambitious project. So be on the lookout. Um, That's amazing. She's hard at work. You know, I'll be on the lookout for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Joel, now that we're talking about the future, um, what is next for Shit Escalades? We just finished Hazard Bedlam um, and Severo Summer. What's next? Next, I'm going to sleep for about a week. Uh, <laughs> and then after that, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't sleep. I don't have time for that. Um, uh, we have a drop coming up September 10th. So that hasn't even officially been announced yet. I should probably get on that. But uh, yeah, September 10th is our next drop. And we've got a couple of different things. The, the main item in the drop is something we haven't done this before. Uh, we've never repeated an item before, but... The, the sling blades were such a popular thing that and people really loved them. So we decided to do a second edition of sling blades. So Connor Haygood, our master artisan who forged those, spent all summer forging a batch of new sling blades for the second edition that are stamped with edition two on the back. They're the official uh, real deal second edition. So those will be the main uh, meat and bones of the drop. But we also have uh, something that I'm personally very excited about, which is um, I got to imagine what it would look like if there was a sweatband that was included with uh, a, like a laurel box or you know something in the Red Rising world to give out to hell divers. And what would it look like if there was like a sort of like cool but janky, you know, like military stamp, mass produced sweatband for hell divers that was handed out to reds who won the laurel and so we're going to be selling uh hell diver headbands and then a matching uh sweatband for the wrist so we're going full-on 80s i'm just embracing Sick. it there's no way there's no way back probably is there a, a way to reserve like no sadly um although everyone always asks me that and then like 10 million people always accuse me every drop of like selling out ahead of time or like pre-sales. We never do that. We don't do that. Anyone listening, we don't do that. It's just folks who buy stuff when the drop happens. It's a hard and fast rule with us. Everybody has the same chance to get it as everybody else. Um, that you said, heard it here first. <laughs> you did hear it here first. And that said, we are going to be giving away a set of five to you guys to give away to your fans as you would like. So you heard it here first. <laughs> I have a question for you, Joel, about the headbands. You said yeah. that it'd be like a laurel, essentially in a laurel box. But as we know, the Gamma Clan always wins the laurel. So are you a Gamma if you wear one? 
Oh, shit. You just destroyed my entire marketing. Uh, no, it's cool. God damn it. Uh, you know, I think, I think, uh, I think you might Way be go, sadly. Philip. Okay, Although cut this, edit this out. Stop, yeah. rewind, rewind. Off podcast. No, I mean, I it love it. It's so, it's so on point. This is, this is the question. It said, never happened. I, I promise. Oh, my God. Well, they think that the gammas are going to. Oh, shit. Um, no, uh, I would say that you can just easily imagine Daryl with one, even if it's yeah. not quite, you know, uh, we know that Daryl never won the Laurel. Um, so, oh, did he? God, now I'm, I'm sorry. Well, he to question was supposed to, and then he was the supposed to, society then rigged it, and Gamma yeah, won again, was, and it was a whole yeah. thing. Not here. Not this time. Not here. Not this time. <laughs> this is Daryl's chance at the Laurel. He should have had it. There's the marketing. Yeah. Lambda is claiming victory right now with Joel's drop. And Lambda is forever the new Gamma. Claim it. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, I just I just like to, you know, picture the idea of him, him wearing one. And maybe it was one that's passed down from, you know, his lineage of, yeah. from a past Laurel box or something. Who knows? You can be as creative as you want with keeping it on on point with the Red Rising world. I, it's so funny. I always have to sort of stop myself from getting too particular as I'm diving into the iconography and the history of the space because it can get a little bit, you know, I have to give myself some creative freedom. And if I like tie myself too too tightly to everything, it can be a little bit stifling. So call it, call this one of those. You got to be your own artist and you can't like just be so beholden to everything and and. I, I really like the idea that, you know, I mean, Darrow did wear a headband that I think EO might have made for him, but this is like a society issued one. And like, that's so cool. It's like, cause you're expanding the lore now. It's not just beholden to the the source material, but now like Joel, you as an artist are getting to expand the lore out more. And, and we're so excited to be able to give those away. So thank you. Thank you so much for being able to give those uh, to us. And we'll, we'll do that on our Instagram, Janelle, right? Yes, we will. Thank you, Joel. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's funny that this whole, you know, little back and forth made me think about, you know, people ask sometimes what, you know, what's the inspiration behind shit escalates? Like, what are we trying to do? And I've realized that it's at least in my head a little bit different from any other operation that exists out there because my goal with it was never to make t-shirts or make things for fans in the sense of like a sort of standard merchandising operation. It was more that I wanted an excuse to invent things that existed in the world and then be able to make them real. And so whenever I'm talking with the other artists like PB Doodles that we work with, the, the conversation is always one where we say, hey, you know, we're not trying to just make something that's about Red Rising. We want to make something that could have been in Red Rising and that we're trying to invent something that expands the world like you were, you were just talking about, Philip. So... I, I would just wanted to say thank you to everybody who has been supporting the operation. It's been such a mind blowing shit escalating sort of experience that, <laughs> uh, you know, I, every time we do a drop, I'm just absolutely floored and so thankful to all the folks out there who, who support it because it's, it really is about creating things that don't exist in the world. And without you guys supporting it, you know, I couldn't cook up the newest, weirdest, craziest things. So I love it. Thank you very much. Yeah, Peebs is a uh, big friend of the podcast. She does amazing work. And we were so excited when the first time we heard her that she was going to be collabing with you guys. So, And you guys have done so much with her. So it's, it's really fun to see what that's going to become. We actually have a top secret collab going on with her as well. So, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. She's the queen. 
<laughs> the other kind of queen, Janelle. The other kind of queen. Sorry. I, know, I was like, <laughs> Sorry, excuse Janelle. me. There can be multiple queens. <laughs> She's the Red Rising artist queen. There can be many queens. Absolutely, she is. <laughs> so I, I'm curious, Joel, on this next drop, what the item you're going to come up with an hour from time. I am too. We will find <laughs> out an hour from the drop. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I do, I do have some ideas, uh, but I, I'm not. I try to have on the drop a surprise item every drop. Um, and I haven't ever sort of touted that as a marketing t- thing because it sort of just happens organically. But I do my best to have something that I haven't posted about. I haven't really even teased on every drop. So who knows what that will be. Wink, Ooh, wink. surprise, surprise. <laughs> we are looking forward to it. I'm excited to check out the store. Every time I go to the store... I just, I want to, I want to buy all of it. And it's, uh, I wish I had infinite dollars to do so. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Joel some more. I'm Pierce Brown. And this is the Hail Weaker Podcast. More talk, less squawk. You're listening to the only pirate hollow net frequency in the system. HRP 63. Get in the zone. Hail Reaper is brought to you this week by Tarikian Law. If you're seeking legal counsel or you're in a situation that you're not sure how to handle, Tarikian Law might just be the answer. They offer a free consultation to assess your situation because not every attorney is the right professional for the job. The great thing about Tarikian Law is that there's no double speak, no confusing language, no upfront commitment. It's just a conversation with someone who wants to understand what you're going through and help you get to the next step. Getting started is easy. Just call 559-627-5399 or visit torigianlaw.com on the whole net. That's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com. No matter the circumstance, we all deserve peace of mind. So stop sitting with the uncertainty and get the advice you need today. Once again, that's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com or call 559-627-5399. Torigian Law. The advice you need Minus the BS. We're back from break just a second ago on the break. Joel and Jeremy and Janelle, we are all talking about the sigil work and we just had to bring this conversation on to recording. We couldn't just let it uh, fall onto the floor here. So Joel, I wanted to kind of get back to that conversation. I don't, I wanted to stay in that, that vein here. We're talking about the house crests and the Institute and kind of how that took shape and your design work is it's beautiful. It's brilliant. I mean, honestly, I'm not, I'm not just throwing praises on you, but when I got the book and, you know, and I wanted to, when I was in the Institute, I'm reading those chapters with Cassius and Darrow. Of course, I, I'm always going back to those pages and referencing the map. I'm referencing like what the sigils look like and why they're in certain places. So I want you just to take it away and go for it and kind of talk about your creation and your, uh, your inspiration inside that Institute. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that was one of my favorite parts of the, the early creative process with Red Rising was the house crests, because with the color sigils, as we were talking about earlier, um, when Pierce initially came to me, he said, hey, we want to do the color sigils. And then because he's a genius, he was like, we also have to have them based on the alchemical symbols. So there was very much this sort of beginning point that came with the pitch. And some of the, the color sigils um, I had to design from scratch, but most of them were in, were based off of existing visual iconography, and um, I think that's why they were so fun. But as a creative, um, as a creative person, my own enjoyment 
uh, it was more fun to do the house crests because they were, they were much more open-ended and, uh, you know, it's, it's so funny. I'm trying to think back to now the process for each one, because it was sort of, you know, I would, I work on them sort of in batch and I would be doing these sketches and send them over to Pierce and go back. And some of them were sort of immediate, like, Oh, you found it right away. Um, and the ones, the one that, that was that way that has just stuck with everyone is the house Mars, where it was just this like, Oh my God moment. And I think what inspired it was actually, I was just sort of scrolling around for inspiration and looking at images of wolf heads. And I, I saw a wire sculpture of a wolf head and it was just like a wire frame sculpture. And I was like, Oh my God. And so then I started going and looking at like 3d models and like early 3d models and how they like geometrically break up planes. And I was like, that's it. Like, that's how we think about this, where you try to make something that's both geometric and flat at the same time. And that was the, the sigil that ended up sort of defining how I was visualizing the rest of them was trying to balance out that sort of flattening of the image. And then the, the sort of creating something that you can kind of look at and you see a, a real image and then you blink and realize it's actually super simplified where it's like, it's, it's, you know, I mean, I feel like this is the right word and the wrong word, but it's truly iconic and it sticks in your head. It's funny because my favorite of all of the sigils is not House Mars. Um, it's actually Minerva. Right. Um, and it's, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's like... You have yeah. a chorus of agreement. <laughs> We're all like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And that one just was, it just, I, it, it's just fucking cool. It ended up so cool. <laughs> and, and so anyway, yeah. it was such a fun process making those. Is that your house, Joel? You know, I don't know what house I would be. I mean, like, I, I'm sort of terrified that, like, I wouldn't be the house I want to be. You know, when you take, mm. like, the Harry Potter quizzes and you're like, I'm totally Hogwarts and you're definitely Slytherin. Like, that's sort <laughs> yeah. of how I feel about it. Um, <laughs> like, I was actually just joking with a friend the other day. You know those, I don't even know what they're called. It's like the grid of, like, nine boxes and it's, like, chaotic, good, n like, lawful, good, oh, yeah. natural, whatever. And, like, I was joking with a friend how, like, I am uh, lawful evil and my fiance is chaotic good. And we're just sort of like the opposite corners of that spectrum in this mm -hmm. like really funny way. We're like, so anyway, I feel like I probably, um, I probably would be in Pluto. Let's be honest. Oh yeah. I'm just like real, a little too conniving and I would end up like, you know, like I want to be in house Mars, but I don't know if the proctors would have put me in there. So mm. I, I really love the House Minerva sigil. Like I actually was looking at, I, I have like a tattoo for like so many things I care about. Like I have like, I have a Narnia, I have a couple of Narnia sleeve that's going right now. I have a Batman tattoo in my leg. I was like, I need Red Rising. And I think that the thing, the front runner, and I just honestly, right now it's been pushed to the edge. I'm going to get a House Minerva tattoo just from talking to you now. I really oh want to do God. like that, Chris. Can you please I mean, send it's me not, photos when you do it? I love Yeah, this. yeah, for sure. I, I want it because it was my favorite piece. I love the like, it's, it has that geometric feel and it has those kind of layers that come together, but it's just, it feels so different because House Diana, House Mars, we have these like things that are, you know, sometimes there's an animal that kind of defines that. And that piece is just more of a, it's kind of like a, an, a beautiful shape. So how did that come about? Because it does differ so much. And what's the inspiration there for that Minerva sigil? You know, I mean, the initial process was one where Pierce would say, hey, I'm imagining this, like for that. He's like an owl. And I was like, okay. 
Um, (laughs) go with that but that was it was very open-ended and it was sort of interesting actually because the houses that he'd written into the books more prominently he had a better idea in his head of what they were and houses that were slightly less prominent had less of an idea and there was a a process i remember when we're doing it where when i started on the house sigils in the map, there's several sort of blank triangles because we didn't want to ruin, you know, where house placements mm-hmm. were because that would sort of, you know, spoil plot points and so on. And we hadn't actually decided which ones we were going to show, which ones we were going to hide. Like we never, like uh, the avid reader will note that there was was not a uh, canonic uh, Pluto um, badge in the book, which uh, um, we eventually designed and did with the patch drop down the road. But um, uh, you know, that, that was something that like, we just didn't even touch on because we were like, we can't reveal where the bad guys are. And we didn't even, so then we didn't design it. Um, but you know, Minerva was, was sort of one of the ones that was right in the middle where he's like, all right, we're going to have it in there. We need to make it. We don't know what it is. Sort of have at it as, you know, <laughs> go knock yourself out, Joel. And, uh, I, I had such a blast with it. It was, it was one of the ones that really sort of flowed naturally as I designed it. And, um, yeah, it's been years since I actually designed it, so I don't remember what my initial inspiration was, to be honest. But um, I remember when I realized that I was going to overlap the wings in that kind of funny way, and I was like, oh, my God, that's so fucking cool. And then I was, yeah, I was just, like, delighted. <laughs> I probably ran immediately over to a, a studio mate who was like, look at this. And they were probably like, oh, my God, shut up. Stop it, nerd. Um, <laughs> anyway. So some of them came uh, really quickly to you. Were any of them, did any of them like fight you the whole way? Diana. Diana was such a pain in the ass. And okay. it was it was hard because one of my sort of, um, one of the decisions that I made creatively to try to tie them together was to use as many straight lines as possible. Um, and so I tried to build, I literally was trying to do this thing where I would build the design by using math um, so that it sort of had this mathematical and geometric sort of foundation. So for example, if I needed a, a curve, I would make a perfect circle and stack it and sort of build it in sort of cutouts with perfect geometric shapes, like triangles and circles and having a stag, which was such an organic shape really fought me because it didn't want to be put into this sort of simplified thing. It wanted to feel organic and it wanted to feel you know, not like a straight line, not like a perfect, you know, spiral, not like anything that was sort of mathematical, but it wanted to be organic and you know, different. So that one was tough. You know, Pierce is a big ancient Roman history buff as well as just a, a history buff in general. And I was looking uh, in preparation for this conversation, I was actually looking at some ancient Roman standards that they would hold at the front of their armies as well. And I was wondering, you know, if, if you were able to reference any of those back in the original days or if it really just came out of your head. Honestly, I don't remember looking at any Roman standards, but I probably did. Um, Pierce is such a, a buff of all things Roman um, historical and iconographic. So he probably was like, look at this thing and look at this thing or, you know, um, but I don't remember. I don't it doesn't stick out as being one of the sort of visual launching points. Um, my visual launching point for all, the entire Red Rising design world was actually Soviet Russia. So when I was first thinking about it, and this is, the, I think the first thing I designed was actually the, the gold poster. 
um, the propaganda poster. And mm-hmm. that came about of trying to figure out, like, how do I meld Roman Gilded Age with Soviet, like, Space Age propaganda? And trying to take those two things and basically make, like, a slightly more decadent version of, of Soviet propaganda because... For some reason, that really the, the Soviet space race and all of these amazing designs that came out of that era, like really stuck out to me as both feeling sort of edgy and gritty, while also being you know sort of um, entirely overly optimistic, and then at the same time, still somehow feeling futuristic. You know, now almost a hundred years later, um, and so. Mm-hmm. That was my the thing that I've come back to over and over again as a designer is like, if you're at a loss, go back to Soviet propaganda and you'll immediately have 25 ideas. Um, so less of the, the Roman standards and more of, of Soviet propaganda, actually. Okay. So specifically probably like, what, 50s and 60s era? Cold War mm-hmm. status, yeah. Yeah, space race. And, and I spent a lot of time, yeah. yeah, looking at, you know, what the posters, like, because they, the Soviet government had this like massive creative arm that they paid artists that were like, you know, all of these artists to make stuff about whatever it was, whether it was Lenin's Lenin's statue or, you know, a poster for how great our space Mm -hmm. program is, you know? Um, In fact, I actually recently stumbled on, this is the most incredible internet find of all time. And if you guys have already heard this, um, I'll be disappointed that I didn't get to share it with you first. The, the Soviet, uh, I don't even know what they called it. It was their film program, the official government film program, made a multi-part Lord of the Rings film. Have you guys heard about this? What? No. It's on What's YouTube. Up? It is no. on YouTube. right now. Yeah, oh my God. so <laughs> they made a multi-part, like serialized <laughs> Lord of the Rings that they filmed, I think it was probably in the 50s. It's like, it's in color. But it feels like a super high budget high school play of Lord of the Rings <laughs> in Russia. I need this in my um, life right now. And so, like, <laughs> the hobbits are like legitimately drunk. Like, you're like, oh, you're actually drunk like, as you're filming this. And like, the, I mean, it's amazing. Like, I don't want to spoil too much before you, but it is. I think there's one episode, and they just like it came out. I, I learned about it because recently someone found it in an archive. It had never been digitized. And somehow during the fall, it was like filmed right before the fall of the USSR. And so maybe it was even, it must've been earlier than that because the quality is so, so bad, but it was somehow in the, you know, sort of chaos of, <laughs> of, of Soviet Russia, it was never digitized, not really like properly, you know, archived. And so it was recently rediscovered and have the entire thing. And whoever has it is, it, I think they're saying they're going to put out, it, it, it like serialized out in like order. So they, they posted the first one on YouTube. You can watch it. It's like a half an hour. There's no subtitles. It's all in Russian. But if you're a Lord of the Rings nerd like me, you don't need, you can just follow yeah, you, along. You're like, I know what they're saying right now. And yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I am so excited to watch this. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> For my afternoon treat. <laughs> you should definitely get high first. It's one of those. <laughs> I, I propose a viewing party to all our Discord members right now. We gotta. Oh, we should. Oh my yeah. goodness, that would be so fun, Joel. If you're welcome to come, I know you're super busy, but if you want to come and drop in and uh, watch it with us on our Discord, you're you're more than welcome to come. In. I might have to put aside the September 10th <laughs> just to make this happen. So yeah. <laughs>
So the, the propaganda art is something that really caught me early on. And not only your piece, but just in general, my mind and creative kind of side of myself went to that thinking probably originally more in terms of like 40s German propaganda. Mm-hmm. But again, I actually like what you're talking about, because instead of kind of that more simplified, what would they, you might call it like an art deco yeah. sort of leaning, mm-hmm. but then you get those cleaner lines and you get mm-hmm. that kind of space age look in the Soviet 50s and 60s, which is, which is a cool call out. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I remember when I, it was probably my first graphic design class I ever took, my professor talking about the difference between, a, I think where he's like logo design. He was talking about how do you make something that's iconic? And by definition, meaning something that, you know, sort of stands the test of time. Um, and so in the visual world, especially in the 21st century, we live in this space where things change so quickly, like styles change so quickly, typefaces change so quickly, what's cool changes so quickly. And we were talking about that and he was saying, you know, one of the ways as a designer, you avoid something looking really dated is by avoiding sort of contemporary, whatever that momentary trend is. And you can look back on design history and see certain moments that really lasted because they were actually really fucking good. And, um, that moment uh, that you're talking about of like 40s German design is one of those moments. Soviet design very much riffed off of that and has mm-hmm. a lot of the same sort of elements of that are, you know, geometric sort of typographically driven, very bold and kind of blocky. And um, that, you know, it's, it's wild to me that like, you know, hundred years on, it can still feel like it's both beautiful and futuristic. You know, like it's still, it's, it's funny because like, it's almost like a, a, a trope that like, if you look at, you know, TV shows that are about the future, they will reference Soviet design because it's, it's like sort of embedded in us. It's like, mm-hmm. that's the future, even though that it's, it's a hundred years ago now, you know? Um, so it's beautiful stuff. It really is. Yeah. If this thing ever goes to TV, I just anticipate kind of that very Blade Runner inner like like dirty scummy city. You're going under a dark underpass and you just see this like disgusting, cringeworthy, like I love you poster yeah. from the facade. <laughs> yeah. like I've never put anything out that gross, so <laughs> Oh damn, you claiming that. <laughs> Your propaganda department is far better. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Joel, I have this feeling like you were watching the Russian version of The Hobbit and you were picturing Middle Earth in this and suddenly you, you gained all this inspiration for the Institute House map. Is that how it went down? Uh, that's definitely how it went down. <laughs> that's exactly you know, it's, it's funny. I, I very much was uh, was looking at uh, classic fantasy maps for the first map, you know, and that was what Pierce asked me to do. Um, and it was something that we both immediately sort of before anything was designed, knew that we wanted was sort of referencing this classic map while also adding this sort of space age side to it, which was the sigils. And so it's funny because the first map is actually very different from the rest of them. Um, it's, you know, it feels much more like a classic fantasy map than the the next four maps. But that was, that was the idea. We, we really both had this soft spot in our hearts for those classic fantasy maps. And um, I actually hand drew the entire thing. That was, the whole thing was, it it just felt like it had to be sort of done by hand to do it in that style. And I ended up reworking it digitally after I drew it by hand. I I 
did some touch-ups and stuff. But for the most part, it's just a really high-risk scan of a drawing. Had you ever attempted that before? Like a map? No. I mean, as a kid, I did that shit all the time. I would make, you know, Lord of the Rings-style maps of my backyard and then, like, burn the edges and soak them in coffee and then, like, hide them in tree stumps and be like, there's yes. a treasure map out here. <laughs> so I love that sort of stuff. And I... I grew up, you know, I, I would do my own versions of Lord of the Rings maps and, and, you know, Narnia maps and anything I could get my hands on. I was like, you know, didn't have that many friends. So I'm just kidding. I had friends, but. Um, can you, you saw any Narnia you maps you can send me? <laughs> What's that? I know. You saw any Narnia maps from you and your kid that you can send me? <laughs> I, you know, my mom oh, probably is somewhere, but I. Well, I, I She's listening right now, I'm assuming. So Joel's mom, <laughs> if you can find in your basement some maps of Narnia that Joel did as a child. I, Philip, would love to have them because uh, I'm a huge. I got so I got Aslan and Bulgy Bear right there. I don't know there if you, you can go. see it. There you go. Yeah, I, I leaned away from them. This is great podcast material when I talk about something that's on my arm so everyone can see. Visualize um, with us. Visualize yeah. Aslan on a bulging bicep. Yes. Boom. I'm loving no. this. Mrs. Joel's mom, please send me. <laughs> yes, her entire Joel identity mom. is based off of me being born. That is totally true. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Well, I have a, I have one last thing to throw at you guys. So we're at the Institute right now. Joel, you said you're a Pluto, so I'm going to make you Primus of House Pluto. I know, Janelle, you are Primus of House Mars. Hello. Jeremy and I are sadly in the same house, so um, I'm going to take House Jupiter for here, and then, uh, Jeremy, you're going to be uh, the Primus of uh, House Minerva right now. Okay. Okay, so the exercise is, who's going who's gonna to take the other person down first? What's going to happen here? You know, I'm going to take all y'all down, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm throwing out there. Who's going who's gonna to go to bat for their house and their, being their Primus? This is a tough question. Oh, okay. No, I was thinking, like, how am I going to do this? Yeah, how are you going to do it, Janelle? How are you going to beat us? I want to do it like fair with my martial arts background. I want to do it fair. Let's go. No weapons. Okay. And I just like storm, storm one of your uh, fortresses. So yeah. like, or, like totally like ninja <laughs> thief in the night, you know, get all our black suits on and just like ninja one of your fortresses. Okay. Well, this is a Sneak problem attack. because I'm not even there. I snuck out in the middle of the same night and captured your fortress because yes. I was spying yes. your ranks. <laughs> okay, House Mars is out. House Pluto was one step ahead of you, and now your fortress has been taken. House Mars is uh, so we have House no. Pluto. Pluto is uh, it's Pluto, Jupiter, and uh, Minerva. Okay, what, what's the next move, checkmate, Mr. Jeremy? Oh man, so I think I don't even launch an attack initially against any of you guys. Instead, I go after one of the other institutes that's isolated on the other side of one of the bodies of water. So it's kind of a standalone. And then I just chill there while you guys battle each other and do your thing, and then weaken each other, and I then never I come in play on the back end and that. attack. That's <laughs> the most frustrating strategy, but it always works. It's, you can do that in Australia. You go camp out in Australia, you sit there, you make that fortress, yeah. and then that Australian army comes out and just like murders the whole board. It's so frustrating. Oh my God, I hate, I, playing Risk with Jeremy does suck, by the way. I'll, I'll say that, because uh, he's really good at it. So I'm House Jupiter. I think that, so Jeremy's removed himself from the situation. Joel, you and I are the only two houses on mainland, I guess, right now. I kind of, I'll be honest with you, House Jupiter is a dope house, and we got Victra, you know, and uh, supporting and repping there. But 
I kind of feel like we'll, we would misstep and play into your hand. If I'm just going to role play it, I'm gonna we're gonna play into your hand, and I think that you would you would somehow do a kind of some sort of sneak attack. You kind of take advantage of our aggressive nature, and I think that you would be uh, triumphant in that. So we have Minerva and Pluto, arch rivals here. So Joel, it's your turn. What's what's happening next? You know, I feel like this is the moment where my dastardly deeds overplay themselves because I've I've taken down two houses in a row. I'm feeling good about things. Um, and then I probably underestimate the amount of power that's been built across the sea. And I try to sneak over and attack and absolutely uh, over overplay my hand. And that's probably where I lose it. Dang. So, Jeremy, what happens? Mm. Yeah, if, if that weren't the reality, I think the alternate would be that... I remember Pluto is a mountain house, so I can't go. It's got the high ground. I can't attack it. So I think the the only play is to starve them out by taking out everything, pushing them back to the mountains. Hey, and then they're willing to eat to anything, though. But yeah, so. they are willing to. Yeah, yeah, Joel, Joel, Joel does is, not work so well when you're, when you're facing the cannibal <laughs> house. You can't okay? start. You can't starve someone out. <laughs> Jeremy, they're gonna eat people. I know. <laughs> I literally I eat anything. Yeah, there's a bar. They, Joel brought co- hot coals for the barbecue, ready to go yeah. to that institute. Yeah. <laughs> Joel's got like a shoelace hanging out of his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think though, I think Joel's first scenario was, it was Joel's move. And uh, it looks like that house Minerva is triumphant in our, in our micro role play of the Institute. So uh, congratulations, Jeremy golf clap. Well, clap to you. Thank you. Uh, I I should like hit an arduous, arduous battle. Very dire and dastardly. (laughs) We, (laughs) (laughs) we so we went mega nerd for you there uh joel because we are nerds so we had to do a little bit of like actual role play and uh, go kind of Uh, this house mars oh it's charging first (sighs) i'm gonna i'm happy that i just didn't get eliminated house as house jupiter first that's all I'm, i'm i'm really happy with that Joel, once again, thank you so much for coming on. This was such a blessing to have you talk to us. And then thanks to Janelle for being here and being the merch queen and being our strawberry sovereign. Thanks to Jeremy. Thanks to Mathar, the true blues. And uh, thank you to all you listeners. Until next time, Hail Reaper. Hail Reaper. Hail Reaper. Hail Reaper. Hail Reaper is a production of Catacomb Body. Thanks to Pierce Brown for creating this universe. And thanks to all the contributors who make this show possible. We were engineered by Joshua Ramsey, with editing and sound design by Mathar Delion. The bit of music you're hearing right now was written and produced by Sahab. If you enjoy what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. And follow at HailReaperPod on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for updates, giveaways, and more. You can support the show directly by joining our Patreon community, where we issue monthly bonus content, exclusive artwork, and hang about with all the howlers of the Discord. Visit patreon.com slash hellreaper to learn more. This is Broadcast signing off. Until next time, hail the gory damn reaper.
松开你。